Coming up on Gangs All Here, the NFL draft is a week away and the Jets have the 11th pick. We break down who they should pick, what positions they need, and do a mock draft for all their selections. We also chat with a former Jets QB turned ESPN college football analyst, Greg McElroy. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If using Apple, rate us five stars and write a nice review. Greg McElroy joins us in the second half of the show. Let's break down the Jets draft plans. All right. Uh, the Jets are one week away from the draft where they have the number 11 pick. We'll break that all down uh, along with my producer, Jake Brown. We'll, we'll break down that and what the Jets are looking for throughout the draft. But uh, before we get started with draft talk, just wanted to send out my condolences to Anthony Causey's family. I'm sure many of you who read the post have seen the stories about Anthony this week who passed away from the coronavirus on Sunday. Anthony was our photographer at the post for 26 years. Uh, was just larger than life guy, a really great guy um, and great at his job. He really connected with athletes in a way very few people I've been around do. Sometimes it can be intimidating in our jobs to be around really high profile athletes and hard to relate to them. But Anthony was great at it. And you can see that from all the tributes this week from Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez, uh, Joanna Cespedes and Noah Syndergaard, uh, Connor McGregor. There's been a ton of athletes that have tweeted about Anthony this week. You know, I really loved working with Anthony and will uh, will always keep him in my heart. And, uh, you know, please think about his family. And if you can, there's a GoFundMe page out there. Anthony has two kids, five years old and two years old. If you can find it in your heart to donate, that would help his family. Uh, everyone at the Post would appreciate that. So now it uh, <laughs> feels weird to transition to draft talk, Jake, but uh, that's what we have to do. You know, the Jets sitting at number 11, it's, a, it's an interesting spot because if you believe the mock drafts, uh, there's going to be a lot of tackles taken in the top 10. And to me, tackle is their number one need going into this draft in terms of kind of matching up what's in this draft and what they need because you could say edge rusher, right? But there's not really a lot of edge rushers in this draft. Draft, but there's a lot of tackles. So going into this thing, it's going to be interesting to see how many tackles come off the board in the top 10. Listen, everyone's saying O-line, 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 and I get it. Believe me, I get it. I just think they have to get a number one receiver right now. I don't think Bashan Perriman is that guy. I don't think Quincy Noon was going to be healthy. Um, they have no one, and I think Sam Darnold needs targets, and he needs blockers too, but I do think that Joe Douglas has done a decent job of putting together at least a much more respectable O-line than what they had, and I I do think that's something that they can still build, whether it's in a trade, whether it's in other draft picks in this draft, uh, whether it's next year's draft. I mean, it's not an overnight project putting that O-line together. So in my opinion, I like a number one target and I get it. The receiver, you know, stock is huge this year that's what everyone said you've said it every expert said it but i love the fact of going after an elite receiver like a judy out of alabama here's the thing i i agree with you they need a receiver they need receivers but i don't think you need to get that guy at 11 looking at draft trends the last five years wide receivers the last five years they've drafted 159 wide receivers have been drafted 17 of them in the first round, five in the top 10. Out of those, there's been 11 wide receivers who've made a Pro Bowl that was drafted in the last five years that have made a Pro Bowl, okay? Out of those 11, 10 of them were taken 
after the first round. The only first round pick wide receiver who's made the Pro Bowl is Amari Cooper, drafted since 2015. Tyreek Hill was drafted in the fifth round. Obviously, there was issues there, why he drafted, why he fell the fifth round. But Michael Thomas uh, with the Saints is a second round pick. You can find guys after the first round at, at wide receiver. So I, I agree with you. It's a huge hole. They need it. But I, I think the drop off at tackle is far greater than the drop off at wide receiver. So I, I think if one of those tackles is there, they have to take them. So you're looking at the O-line now and you're saying, you know what, they improved, but you're not then impressed. You're saying, you know what, George Fant probably left, Alex Lewis left guard, center Connor McGovern, who is obviously the staple now of that O-line. Um, and then you look at maybe Brian Winters, Greg Van Rotten, uh, Oduma. Uh, I mean, it's not good. I mean, it's obviously that side gets a little shaky. So how do you slot it out? So he, he, we'll give you the music. Do, 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 do. With the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL draft and we need some mock booze in in uh, Roger Goodell's <laughs> basement that's that's gonna be like a sound effect like we need a DJ in the background boo boo with the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL draft the New York Jets select Andrew Thomas tackled Georgia uh, that's who I had this in my latest mock draft um, I think he's solid from Georgia he started 41 games at Georgia he's played both left and right but he's more of a left tackle than say Jedrick Wills from Alabama who's really a right tackle I think he's more proven Proven than uh, Makai Becton, who's the big guy that everyone's kind of fallen in love with, and more of a tackle than Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. So I think they got Andrew Thomas. That would be a great first step in this draft for the Jets. Yeah, and I think Wirfs will be off the board. Do you like so? So you would take Thomas if Wills is still on the board. If it's down to Thomas and Wills, you're 100 percent going Thomas. Like, would you be disappointed if they took Wills? I'm not 100 percent because I, I think Wills is a right tackle, and they need a right tackle too. So I, I would I would defer to the you know, what Joe Douglas, I, I don't think I know enough about Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills to say, oh, my 100% take this one or that one. I think that's a toss-up to me, but I like Thomas a lot. You know, I think he's going to be a good left tackle in the NFL, but if they took Wills, I wouldn't I wouldn't be screaming, oh my God, they messed that up. You know, to me, these four guys are all very close. Any of these four can be uh, longtime NFL players. To, to me right now, Thomas was the guy I went with in this draft. Would you be surprised if Joe Douglas did go the Jake Brown route and went wide receiver? whether it's Judy Rugg, C.D. Lamb. I think Judy is the standout of the three, but would that surprise you if he went there? Well, who's on the board? Are you is, is he taking Judy and there's two tackles on the board? Say receiver-wise, all three are available. Would you be surprised they went there? But who's available at tackle? That's my question. Say Thomas is available. Say say uh, Wills was picked already because there is a chance. There were mocks originally that had him going four to the Giants, so there's a chance Wills is gone. So say Wills is gone. Let's say, for argument's sake, Becton is gone, and it's, and it's Thomas is left of that bunch and then all three receivers. Yeah, that would surprise me because I, I think if one of those tackles is on the board, I think that's the way Joe Douglas is going to go. I mean, he is an offense lineman. He has stressed from day one on this job. Day of the press conference, he said that he was going to build this team on the lines in the trenches was how he's going to build this team. So I'd be surprised if he went there when Judy also knowing that there's some good wide receivers available later in the draft. So I, that would surprise me. Okay, so I take Judy, you take Thomas. Now, with Thomas on the board and, and taken by the Jets, give me Kaz's week one starting offensive line, uh, which now would be much improved for Sam Darnold. Uh, left tackle will be Andrew Thomas. Left guard will be Alex Lewis. Uh, center will be Connor McGovern. Right guard will be Greg Van Roten. And right tackle will be George Fant. And Fant is kind of the key piece in this thing because I think if they draft a tackle who they feel like is a right tackle, like a Jedrick Wills, or a guy who they feel like is not ready to play left tackle in year one, then George Fant's the left tackle. 
Um, if they take someone who they feel like they can plug and play at left tackle right away, Fant kicks to the right side. Well, I will say that is definitely a, you know, a very respectable offensive line. So but I get the offensive line argument. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, a Madden guy and I love a big play <laughs> receiver and someone that could get down the field because Darnold, really, we haven't seen the deep ball from him. We haven't seen him get the ball down the field because he really hasn't had anyone to get it down the field to. So that's not true. Robbie Anderson. Yeah, oh, like I mean, he Dallas, the, yeah, Dallas but, last year. Uh, he threw a 95-yard touchdown pass. We haven't seen it consistently, though. I mean, we see right, here right. and there. They haven't, had a, they haven't had a consistent number one wide receiver since Brandon, when Brandon Marshall was here. You know, they haven't had that guy. So, But I agree with you they need that. But I, I, I disagree with you that they haven't been able to throw the deep ball. They, they've thrown enough deep balls. They need they need a complete wide receiver You know, who can, who can do everything, basically. I'm just craving a number one. I don't know why. I, maybe it's because I love the name Jerry Judy. It, it's got so many reality <laughs> shows ran all over and Judd's yeah. Judy's on board and you see her in the jersey. I don't know. Maybe it's the brand and the marketing that I like. But then a, a receiver uh, where we go next, Kaz, is your mock draft for the rest of the draft as we lay it out. Their next pick is the second round. And I know you like a receiver with the 48th pick for them. Yeah, I think if they go tackle in the first round, then there's a good chance they go receiver in the second round. And maybe they maneuver around to get a receiver. They might, you know, jump up a few spots if there's somebody they really like. I think Douglas is going to be nimble in this draft and, and be moving. They, that was something they did in Philadelphia. And I know that the Jets felt that was something Mike McCagnett did not do well uh, last year was maneuver around the draft board. But I took Michael Pittman, the wide receiver from USC, Michael Pittman Jr. You might remember his father was a running back with the Buccaneers for a long time you know he's not a burner he's not that speed guy but he's more of a complete wide receiver big guy can do a lot of things obviously he has some familiarity with Sam Darnold they played at USC together so that might help especially in this year when it doesn't look like we're going to have any spring practices or OTAs so maybe if they, they there's some familiarity there they can build the chemistry quickly and uh, there's your receiver that's your guy usc see a guy that's a uh, number two behind paraman is paraman do you look at paraman essentially when this is all said and done being the jets top receiver saying uh saying that quincy noon was not healthy you look at paraman as their number one that's a good question. I think it depends on you know who they draft. I think the rookie might be the number one. This is all semantics. Perriman is your speed guy, though. Perriman is the guy who's going to be the deep ball guy who's going to kind of replace Robbie Anderson in that regard. The question about Perriman is route running and some of the other stuff. So uh, I guess you know if you consider the speed guy to be the number one receiver, it'd be Perriman. But I think Pittman probably can do more things right now. All right, with the third round, thank you to the Giants for somehow trading the you know going for the <laughs> expiring contract of Leonard Williams. The Jets have two third round picks and with the 68th overall pick which comes from the Giants the Jets will take Lloyd Cushenberry center from LSU this is a guy who really impressed me at the senior bowl uh in Mobile in January so LSU had played obviously the national championship game and it was like I, I want to say like maybe two weeks before the senior bowl or a week and a half before the senior bowl. And then he did all of the white house visit and parade in new Orleans. And, you know, he could have skipped the senior bowl easily because of all that, because he was what he was doing at LSU, but he came to the senior bowl. He played, he was very impressive. And he's a guy, Jake, if you listen to Joe Douglas talk, inevitably he'll say, you know, we want to have the best culture in sports or he'll talk about character. That's going to be a huge emphasis for the jets in this draft is character guys. So LSU has a cool thing. 
they do. They pick the guy who does the, does things right. That that's kind of the highest character guy on the team, and they award him the number eighteen jersey. That's like an honor at LSU every year. It's given out. Cushionberry got that jersey last year. Now, obviously, he was a center; he couldn't wear eighteen. He wore it in practice, but that speaks to the kind of character he has. And I think he's a Joe Douglas guy. I know they signed Connor McGovern to play center, but I think Cushionberry could be a long term answer there. And he also can play guard. McGovern can play guard. They could shift things around uh, there you know, when they want to. He would also be a jersey that I'd be first in line to get um, with, the name, with the name Cushenberry. That is an iconic name. The Jets have two third-round picks. Their next one would be 79, and I know you like them to get another target there for Sam Darnold. In the mock draft I just did, I, I would have loved to have taken a cornerback here or an edge rusher. I would have loved it on defense, but the way the mock fell for me, there wasn't anyone available in that spot that – you know, it would have been a reach to take one of those. This was kind of crazy, and I don't see this happening. Cole Komet, the tight end from Notre Dame, was available there, so I took him. He's a guy some people project as a first-round pick, so I don't know how he fell to the third round in this simulation I did. The idea, I've had a few mocks here where I've taken tight ends, and people don't lose their minds that I'm taking a tight end in the middle round. But I know they have Chris Herndon, and they just signed Griffin to a contract extension. But Griffin is 30. He's not going to be here very long. Herndon... You know, had a lot of injury issues last year, played one game. I'm not sure you can definitely count on him yet. And I also just think can't have enough of No one has drafted better than the Baltimore Ravens recently. Uh, I did a thing last week where I looked at the last five years of drafts and who did, and the, the Ravens were our number one team. Look at the Ravens, how many tight ends they've drafted. Like, I, I, I think it's a position you put up on. Their quarterback's best friend. You can play two tight ends sets a lot. So, I could see the Jets taking a tight end in the middle rounds here. They're also good special teams players. And that's something we don't always talk about with the draft, but that's something NFL teams talk about. So I went with a tight end there, which will probably drive Jets fans crazy. Well, you know, Chris Herndon has had issues off the field too as well. So it doesn't hurt to have another tight end. And I think that to get one in this draft would actually be uh, smart to give yourself some depth in the fourth round. You like Le'Veon Bell's potential backup. Yeah. AJ Dillon running back from Boston college running back is just another position. I think the Jets have to address in this draft draft you know Le'Veon's going to be here for this year despite all the trade rumors and everything but I don't think he'll be back in 2021 it'd be hard for me to see that so just have to start thinking about who's going to play the running back there and you also look at the best teams in the NFL they all have more than one running back it's also a position there's injuries happen so you know Dylan's a guy who ran for a lot of yards at Boston College he's a bigger back you know I, I kind of would would love to get a speed back there but you know this is the way it fell uh, uh, here in for 4,000 yards with Boston College was a very productive player there so I take him there, but I, you know, it's just they have to address maybe not the fourth round, but somewhere. Fifth round, pick 158. I think they're going to go for this earlier, but they need bad help in the secondary, and you like them to get a cornerback there. Yeah, I agree with you. If they can get a cornerback earlier, they're going to do it. Uh, just the way this draft fell for me that I didn't get it, but I took Josiah Scott from Michigan State. I definitely think cornerback, you know, we talked about offensive line and we talked about wide receiver. Well, cornerback is a position that's just as bad right now. They signed Pierre Desir. He's their number one corner right now. The number two is basically put them in a hat. Arthur Mollett or Bless Austin, you know, a few other guys could, could compete there. Uh, Brian Poole's at nickel which is pretty good, but they, they need help at cornerback. I mean, it's not inconceivable to me, Jake, that they take a cornerback in the first round. Like C.J. Henderson at number 11, that could happen. Or let's say Joe Douglas is at 11 and he doesn't really think any of the picks are there or are great and someone wants to move up. He could trade back and take C.J. Henderson, you know, in the late teens. I, I definitely could see that possibly happening. And then in the sixth round, you like them to continue uh, bolstering the depth on that offensive line. Yeah, this is just, you know, we go best player 
uh, when we get this late here. And I, I took guard Cameron Clark from Charlotte. Uh, you know, I just think they need to keep adding depth to that offensive line. They've addressed it a lot, but they still need more pieces there. And then finally, their last pick, 211, the sixth round. They have no seventh round pick. Is an edge rusher, which they haven't addressed too much in the offseason. That's another need. Again, you talked about Noah's Ark. They really do need everything. Uh, you like an edge rusher with their last pick. Yeah, Chauncey Rivers from Mississippi State. Now, this guy's a little bit more of a character risk than you'd, you'd like to take, but it's the 211th pick. This is where you can take it. He played at Georgia originally and was thrown out after he got arrested a few times for marijuana-related charges, but he you know, hasn't been in trouble at Mississippi State. And, you know, he could come in and, and be a third-down player for the Jets and maybe develop it into something more. But, like, ideally, Jake, if I think they, the Jets would wish there were, like, 10 great edge rushers in this draft, and they could do that at the top of the draft. But it feels like it's Chase Young and everybody else in this draft. So I, I don't think they can address that early. But that's another pitch traded back in the first round. Maybe they take the kid from LSU chase on, you know, so, someone like that there. Because it, we've talked about it. I feel like I've talked about this every draft I've covered the Jets. They, they have not had a good edge rusher since John Abraham. You know, that's, they traded him 14 years ago. So it, it's a position that they desperately need to address at some point. But I just feel like, again, they're going to kick the can down the road on edge rusher this year and hope Greg Williams can scheme things up and Jamal Adams will be their best pass rusher again. Oh, man, that is quite depressing, I think, if your safety being your number one uh, pass rusher. So this is a big one for Joe, right? Like, this is – everyone's excited to see this big, bald guy, this huge brain that he has, and, you know, football genius. Uh, he's got a big draft and a lot of needs ahead. Yeah, no, it's huge. And, we've, you know, it's funny because he's been on the job since last June, you know? So it's he's been on the job for a while, for 10 months, but this is really his – big chance to put his stamp on the team. And he did some, some things in free agency, but you know, he wants to build around through the draft and every GM I've ever covered says they want to build through the draft. And then they make mistakes in the draft and they end up spending big money in free agency. So he's got to get some picks right because his approach to free agency was like, okay, I'm not going to throw big money at Jack Conklin, right? I'm not going to go out there and sign to Damian Clowney. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of shop at the second tier in the bus and look for some bargains. Now that's fine. And I think it's a smart approach to free agency. I think throwing big money at these guys doesn't usually work. However, you better draft well if you're going to do that because you got to find players somewhere. So he's got four picks in the top 80. I think they need two starters out of those four and the other two better be contributors year one and good long-term players. So yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Joe Douglas to get this right. You know, the Jets have drafted poorly for a very long time and they're counting on him to turn that around. Well, looking forward to chatting with you next Friday after they do make their pick and hopefully with no disappointment and hopefully we do hear some mock boos from the, from the basement crowd of Roger Goodell. Happy to welcome in now ESPN and SEC Network College Football Analyst and ESPN Radio host, former Alabama quarterback. He's got a lot of titles. Former Jets quarterback, Greg McElroy, seventh-round pick of the Jets in 2011. Uh, that seems like a long time ago, Greg. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, doing well. It, it does seem like a long time ago. Uh, the scary part, and honestly, you don't realize just how long it is until you turn on the television and, like, some of your old games. Now we have no games on, so it's all reruns, and it's all – games that we watched a million years ago i participated in some and they were in uh standard definition so it's tough times it's tough times right now as i've uh really started to embrace the fact that i'm aging but it has been fun kind of catching up with the family and and uh kind of riding this thing out all together well i appreciate you doing this uh the jets are picking number 11 in the first round. And there's a lot of SEC guys that that could fall into that spot for them. So I wanted to get your insights on some of those. First off, I think they're looking at offensive tackle. 
and uh, you covered two of them in the SEC with Jedrick Wills at Alabama and Andrew Thomas at Georgia. Uh, could you just kind of give us your thoughts on those two guys and, you know, how you see them projecting into the NFL? Well, you know, I think both those guys are going to be immediate contributors. I feel very good about that. I think it's a really good tackle draft. You know, I, I really do. My favorite Tristan Wurst from Iowa. I think he's excellent. Everyone everyone is enamored with Makai Becton, understandably so. I mean, the guy's literally like the Game of Thrones, the mountain. I mean, he just throws people around without question. So I can understand where the obsession has kind of come in with him. I, however, do have my concerns about him a little bit. He's so big. Anytime you look at a guy that big, I played with a guy that was a little like that in DJ Fluker, and he was enormous, but weight was always something that he was concerned about. Great athlete, but, you know, anytime you're 360, I mean, <laughs> you, you can get to 380 pretty quickly. You know, so that's something that I'm just a little bit worried about with him. I think with Will, you're getting an excellent run blocking right tackle. He'll be there for a decade. He's going to be very, very strong. He's uh, going to be a solid, polished player that comes from obviously a big program, which is always going to be big, I think, when making the transition at that point. And then on the other side, I think Thomas is, is a great athlete and a good, solid left tackle that'll, that'll be with you for a really long time. So I don't think you can go wrong with either. Uh, it's all a matter of, of what you're kind of looking for. And I, full disclosure, uh, what are the Jets? Are they in need of a left tackle or a right tackle? Because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they kind of need both. Both, yeah. <laughs> they, they, the Jets are basically in Noah's Ark mode right now, Greg. With they could use two of everything. Um, so right. they, <laughs> but they, they signed, they signed George Fant uh, in free agency who from Seattle, and you know, the, I, right now he's penciled in as left tackle. But I think if they draft someone, they feel comfortable with playing left tackle. Fant will kick to the right side. Um, and if someone, if they draft someone who they feel like is a right tackle or not ready to play left tackle yet, he'll Fant will stay on the left and they'll put him at right tackle. But they really could use both right now. So you know, do you see Wills as a guy who's strictly a right tackle? I know he played that at Alabama. Um, you know, Tua was a left-handed quarterback, so some people said right tackle was basically left tackle at Alabama. Do you see him strictly as a right tackle? I see him strictly as right tackle, uh, and I I just don't think he's. He's not real limber. Like when I think left tackle in the NFL, and, and you saw him every day, like I think the Rickishaw Ferguson. Like, and I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of two organizations. The two left tackles were the Rickishaw Ferguson, who's you know six eleven with ankles that are as you know like a tripod that you'd put a camera on, like skinny ankles, like high calf, like super athletic and guy that can bend. And then I was fortunate enough to play a year with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I got to see Andrew Whitworth, who's built the exact same way. Like, I, I always thought that left tackles were like big, hulking monsters of men. No, no, no. Left tackles are basically oversized tight ends that could play tight end if they lost 15 pounds. So I, I, for one, I don't see Wills as ever being that guy. I think it's exclusively a right tackle, but he's a road grader, uh, and he's a tone setter as well. So I, I – I don't see Wills as ever being that guy though that can flip the left. I just don't think he's naturally athletic enough. Uh, however, I think if you put him at right tackle and develop him accordingly, he could, in theory, five years from now, maybe be one of the best right tackles in the game. It wouldn't shock me because I think he has that much ability to kind of hold down that side and, and kind of create and set the tone from the run game standpoint. So uh, 
with what they did at Alabama, it wasn't your traditional drop back passing attack. So I wouldn't anticipate it being, you know, you could say, well, he was kind of like the left tackle. Yeah, kind of, but Alabama was all about RPO really the last couple of years. And it, it wasn't really that kind of drop back, hey, we're going to get a speed rusher up the field. I don't think he could handle that. Uh, so I, I would avoid trying to, if you want a left tackle and that's what you're prioritizing, then I would say Thomas is the guy that, that I would lean towards more so than, than Jedrick Wills. If, if the tackles, I mean, there's some mock drafts that have all four those tackles going in the top 10, the Jets are at 11, or, or maybe three of them go and the Jets don't really like the fourth guy. Another option for the Jets is wide receiver. And you've seen these guys. How do you stack up Judy and Ruggs, uh, CD Lamb? How do you see those top receivers uh, in this draft projecting to the NFL? And, and would that be a good option for the Jets at 11? I, I think they're excellent. Um, both those two guys are, are amazing. And they're, I believe, a run after catch. Uh, natural hands, they accelerate through the catch uh, and can create in space. I think they're exactly what you're looking for in a modern-day wide receiver. Six one, six two, and that's the vicinity that can flat-out run. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of both. However, knowing the depth of the wide receiver class, I would not reach for a wide receiver. If I, I for one, the only way I'm taking Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb at 11 is if none of those tackles are available and for whatever reason that one of those, you know, great defensive players isn't there. For instance, like if, if what, for whatever reason, I don't think this is a possibility, but let's say Jeffrey Okuda somehow falls to out of the top 10 or if he's lingering at say eight, like I want Okuda far before I want one of those two wide receivers because I can get a T Higgins at the bottom of the first round potentially I can get um I mean there's so many good wide receivers that I just have a really hard time thinking that 11 is is a good spot to start that start I mean I can get KJ Hamler from Penn State in third round potentially you know I can get I mean, I just think there's so much value in the wide receiver class that, and yes, without question, Judy and CeeDee Lamb are in a league of their own amongst their peers in this wide receiver class. But knowing the Jets have other needs, I would certainly prioritize best available uh, more so than prioritizing trying to find another weapon for Sam Darnold. How do you evaluate um, Henry Ruggs from Alabama? You know, I mean, you see the speed is just amazing. You saw him play a lot. How, how do you evaluate him in this draft? Uh, I think he's he's really, really talented and a flat-out burner. Uh, I worry about him being a little one-dimensional. Um, just And we've seen, look, uh, hey, <laughs> Deshaun Jackson's about as one-dimensional as kids. The guy runs a post or a go. So, like, it's, it's you can get by being somewhat one-dimensional if you have elite skills and a, elite traits as a wide receiver. So, uh, and I think Ruggs potentially has that. I also think, for instance, what Terry, what, what McLaurin did last year for Washington and what, uh, what we've seen at times, you know, from other receivers that have broken through that are, that are kind of not all the way polished early in their career, but to flat out fly. I mean, there's a lot of value in drafting a guy like Henry Ruggs. I just, like I said, if I'm not going to take CeeDee Lamb, I'm not going to take Jerry Judy at number 11. I'm definitely not going to take Henry Rugg. Uh I think he's he's definitely a guy that's going to be a problem. For instance, Hollywood Brown last year, I mean, he could flat out fly too and, and did some good things for Baltimore. So, I, I mean, I really like I really like Ruggs. I just wouldn't reach for a wide receiver under any circumstance. And uh, I think getting 
getting Jerry Judy at 11 would be pretty decent value. I would say CeeDee Lamb would be about right. 11 is probably about his ceiling, uh, just knowing what other pieces are in the draft. I think Judy at 11 would be a pretty good value. I think Ruggs at 11 would be a major overdraft. Uh, so if they were to you know, trade down and potentially try to pick up more picks in the latter part of the first round or even early second, uh, you know, I could see Ruggs going in the high 20s, early 30s, but but probably not really before that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go with him there, at least. You sort of hit on this um, when you were talking about drafting a receiver at 11, but I'm curious as a quarterback from your perspective and preface this question with, I saw two of the biggest beatings a quarterback has ever taken were you <laughs> that I've witnessed. And one was the Chargers game in 2012 when you, your start, you, when you started and you were sacked 11 times hit 34 though the, the hit 34 that the sacks are one thing getting hit 34 times in a 65 play game has to be a record as well yeah that is and then you suffered a concussion in that game I mean that was brutal but the one before that that people like probably very few people remember was your first preseason game was against the Houston Texans and it was the first preseason game of the year. And so they pulled Sanchez quickly. And I think Brunel got hurt. So you ended up playing like the entire game. And you were playing like behind guys who had no business being on an NFL field. And you just got, you just took a beating. And I think you almost brought them to a win in that game. I mean, it was a preseason game. So I, my, my memory's foggy, but. It doesn't sound that foggy. It doesn't sound that <laughs> foggy. <laughs> You're the, I remember the post game. And yes, we should have won. We had an unfortunate play to the left corner on a sluggo route that wasn't able to be reeled in that that would have won the game so a couple things that we need to keep in perspective there that was the lockout year so we had practiced probably a week before we were expected to play on Monday Night Football so that was less than ideal you're right there were a lot of guys that ended up not making the roster that were on that offensive line uh the guy that I was supposed to be playing with at center who was supposed to like get me through it broke his leg on like the fourth play of the game Rob uh, Turner right <laughs> yeah so wow. yeah who was you know also known as the MMA champion of the world like wanted to fight everybody I uh, was love the guy though so so and then to just make it just slightly more challenging JJ Watt was first round pick that day uh that year <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he was breathing some fire off the edge. So, yeah, it was less than ideal circumstances to go in there and have to play. And I remember the post game, Rex fans, Rex fan, the only thing we found out about this game is that our quarterback's tough as nails. That's all. That's all the only thing Rex said in his post game. So I, I will wear that as a badge of honor because if Rex calls you tough, that means you're doing something right. That's right. With, with that as a backdrop, I'll ask this question. Because, like I said, the Jets need everything, basically, right? And they're building around Sam Darnold, going into year three what is in in your opinion more important for a quarterback protection up front or having weapons around them weapons i think darnold at least at this point i mean the weapons and look we can talk about robbie anderson all that stuff I mean, I, and I, I have, I'll be full disclosure. I feel like I'm grinding on jet tape. I don't have access to it. If I did, I would. Uh, but, it, but I mean, I think Robbie Anderson's a good player, but I, I don't, I don't think he's like an, an A wide receiver, first tier wide receiver in the NFL. He might be a top twenty receiver, but I don't think he's, uh, you know, an insanely gifted dude that that's going to be able to bail you out of jam. Yeah, I would argue, like I don't know if it's quite the quite the receiver group that I took the field with back in 2012, where we had Curly and Braylon Edwards, but that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, but I would argue that this receiver crew is, from a depth standpoint, really disappointing. So I, I for one, in today's NFL and even in today's level of college football, really 
you can if you have elite skill and with the RPO game and how quickly you can get the ball out of the quarterback's hands and the fact that Sam is pretty mobile and can move a little bit and has some savvy in the pocket and is comfortable and has really quick hands when executing the RPOs, like you can kind of protect him a little bit with your scheme. So I would rather get him and surround him with burners, with guys that can that can really create a lot of separation, that on quick hitting, passing attack plays, the ball's out, and you can get done. I mean, if you look at the New England Patriots for the last couple of years, like their offensive line's been solid, but it's all about short passing attack and getting the ball out of Tom's hand. And that, that I think, is kind of the modern era NFL. Easy, high completion percentage throws that take advantage of underneath coverage. And then when you get opportunities to have slow developing play action where you really rely heavily on the offensive line, you do the, do so in really timely manners, maybe as you cross the 50 on a in the plus territory on a, on a shot play. So... Uh, I don't think having elite-level offensive line is anywhere near as important as it once was, just given the direction that the NFL offense is starting to go. I'll get you out of out of here on this one. I turn on ESPN sometimes, and I feel like I'm in the Jets' locker room. From It's basically from 2008 to 2012. Uh, they, they've plucked everybody from the locker room. What is it like? Uh, do you ever see Mark Sanchez at Bristol or, or on ESPN? And I know you worked with Tim Tebow for a long time. What's it like, you know, still being around those guys from uh, 2012 and now it's 2020 and you guys are on TV together? Well, Mark's been a good friend for, for a long time. And, I, you know, I still – we have a great relationship. Uh, what's funny is Mark's best friend, Scotty McKnight, was also a Jets draft pick. Scotty is about a mile from my house right now. Uh, I live in Birmingham, Alabama. Scotty is here as an agent rep taking care of Tua Tungabailoa. So, like, I can see everybody. It's like it, it, my whole world is like the Jets world all over again. But I, I, I have great relationships with everybody from the Jets, man. Like, I, I those were some of the most fun years I've ever had in my life. Like, Nick Ballore, I literally just talked to him on FaceTime four days ago. I get a chance to see Mark on a very regular basis. Last year, as Mark was breaking into broadcasting, he wasn't real, you know, he got better as the year goes along. But early in the season, he was still trying to get to know these guys. Like, he he signed up to be at ESPN in early August and had to be on the air in September and was expected to know all 130 teams. Like, that's not possible. So, I remember we would have hour-long conversations on Fridays. Like, hey, Mark, he would ask, just ask questions. Hey, yeah, this Penn State quarterback, you know, I've watched him. I like him. Like, what, what's his story? Because he would be able to watch the tape, but he doesn't know the story. And if a guy was recruited for – and that takes years. So it, he was kind of in the crash course last year, and we spent a lot of time on the phone. Um, but he's done a great job and, and does a great job with Vilma uh, on Saturdays. And, and uh, I get to see him quite a bit. But, yeah. And I saw Rex, that was what's funny, is it was, we were in New Orleans for the national championship game. They brought the NFL crew down, uh, and the college crew was already there. The college crew consisted of Meet Tim, uh, Meet Tim and, well, Vilma is, I guess, another, another former Jet. Meet Tim, Sanchez, and Rex were just sitting on the couch watching the, the playoff game. And, Rex is like, oh, this is awkward. You know, here are all you guys. You guys say, I'm, you guys are the reason I'm sitting here, basically. You know, that's, 
<laughs> that's kind of what he was saying, but uh, without really saying it, we all had a good laugh. But no, I love Rex and, and love Mark, and uh, still have so much respect for for those guys and Tim also. So it's it's been fun to kind of carry out some of that, some of those antics, and and the the chops busting hasn't slowed down. That's for sure. The 2012 Jets were probably the best chop busting team of all time. Uh, we are we are still certainly really really good at running our mouth. That's for sure. All right, Greg. Well, well, next time we have you on, we'll get you all, get all the Sanchez Tebow stories out of you. We'll, 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 we'll concentrate on that next time. But I, I appreciate you uh, coming on here and giving us some insights into these players in the draft. Really good insights, I think, you had on, on all these guys and what the Jets should do. And I appreciate it. It was great talking to you again, Greg. All right, guys. Y'all be good. Appreciate y'all. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making the show happen. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. We'll be back next Friday after the Jets make their first round pick. Talk to you after round one. Stay safe, everyone.